0: G'day and welcome to Perth Property Insider. I'm your host Jared Mann and today I'm bringing you part 2 of my interview with Jay Sidhu from Vision Surveys Consulting on subdividing Perth. And in this episode you definitely need to check it out because we're covering we're going into the nitty-gritty of subdivision and we're covering how to subdivide a rear or corner block, the steps that you take in doing that what sort of costs are involved, how much time to allow, and how does someone know if the property stacks up to purchase it in the first place. And I guess we might touch on a few other mistakes along the way. Jay will also be mentioning how he can help people get it right. So let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. So what are the steps to subdivide a rear or corner block and just take us through Whoa, technical, what's involved in that? If you are retaining a house, hey, we've got a we've got a overall site we want to retain the house and split off either the back or the corner. How would someone approach it, kind of from start to finish? Look,
1: um, for me, any survey, any any subdivision that needs to be done, um, get your feature survey done first.
0: So feature survey, feature
1: yeah. survey, um, feature or contour survey, whichever one that uh, you want to call it. But the other thing that I tend to do, especially if you're retaining your dwelling, boundary survey, yeah? Find out where that house actually is located in relation to proper boundaries. Yep. Because what a feature and contour survey is, and this, I think I was just having this conversation today with the client actually, um, is just what is there. It's like, a, it's like a photograph. Think of it like a photograph of lines, 2D lines and data set that whatever you can see but there's no boundary calculations. So what it's, what it's doing is, it's just going, well, the fencing is here, your dimension of the boundary is X. So we're just gonna try and best fit that to what it sees there because, and then there'll be a note, always there's a note in any feature survey that you see or contour survey, boundaries are yet to be determined. Okay? So the problem arises when you're keeping a house is what if you don't have the proper offset? What if you don't have that proper distance in the side? Let's say if you're doing a battle and you need three meters. Three meters is bare minimum under the building act. Yep. So if you haven't done that boundary survey and you just measured it to a fence and it's saying 3.1, but what if that fence is out? Yeah. You know, and you only got 2.9. That's a problem. It's not impossible to fix, but it's a problem that could have been found out in the start. Yeah, and you could Good have too. had three months of strategizing it. So time is time is your friend and can be you know, obviously it can be your enemy as well. But more often than not, if you have it on your sleeve, it's a it's a friend.
0: Yeah. And I guess from there, after you've got your survey, where do you go? next? So once you got your
1: survey, you get the drafting done for the subdivision to sign. And, uh, and from there, we sit down and we have a chat of what we think can be done better or if you want to change it more, or the client. And that's it. Once you get a WPC...
0: So I guess it's a case of probably working out, you know, how much land to give to the front house and how much to the rear within the R codes. And, exactly. It needs to be within, you know, working out that mix. And um,
1: with, with the feature survey as well, you pick up stuff like trees on the verge, trees in the block... And with the whole, I don't know if you know about the medium density uh, codes that are out as well. There's a lot of stuff in there about trees yeah. um, and protecting them. So you've got to think about where you're going to be fitting this after a house is built on this block. You know, is there going to be a deep soil zone for the trees? Um, if you were in a city of, like, you know, let's say, for example, city of Stirling, if, there's a, if there was a tree in the verge, where is it located? What is the diameter of the, of the trunk? how far do you need to be to have a new crossover to be designed on this block can i even fit a crossover there is there going to be a problem do i need to argue with council later do i have do i have a justification for this for this reduced setback because other than that you you have to meet those requirements for them because that's that's the rules yeah so you got to mm-hmm. think of these things again not impossible but you know that from the start Yep. That's really important. Think of that crossover. Think of those tree locations. Think of everything that's on the site. Where's your neighbor's, um, how's the neighbor's height going? These are all the things that you're going to get from that feature Contour survey. Okay. Then you do the design and that design, you know, we usually talk with the likes of yourself going, all right, well, if you're kind of creating this. Is there a market for it? Is this a good outcome? And is it going to sell? Is there going to be a market for it? Because my whole philosophy with this is I can create anything that I want to, but I need to create something that works for the market. Yes, we've seen many surveyors get highly creative over the years. And Sometimes it's really really fun though when you do those whole <laughs> creative stuff. You know, I'm not gonna uh <laughs> yeah. but yeah, that's that's where I stand with it. And then after that, the next step is application to the planning commission. And If you've got a block that meets the requirements for the um, residential design code and you don't need a lot of variation, you don't need variations, um, go for the DA as well. If you're building, put in a development application because the council will be able to assess it at the same time as the planning commission. Now, the problem is uh, when you need a variation, then you have to go to planning commission first. Then only council entertains it after. So it's a timeline
0: thing that you have to figure out yourself. I guess that's why it's... Good to know if you are going to build or if you're planning to title first and then go into build. Some people who are planning to build more often than not just want to do it as a build strata. Again, I'm
1: a biased but being a land surveyor myself. I like to feel that I have land and it's got its benefits, its merits doing a land subdivision instead than
0: a building form. And the restrictions around it as well so i always push for survey strata women. well the banks are not terribly excited about uh built form either and and they the banks far prefer to see something they can count the value uplift once the title's through and at least the building they, is there they feel a lot more comfortable and many clients if they're a bit tight with their lending they should look at going the other way they need some people are Some people need to do it, but the
1: people who don't need to do it always want to try and save some money because, you know, you will save money, which is just planning commission fees, right? It's significant because, you know, just planning commission fee alone for a two lot, if if we count Form 1A and Form 1C, you're already looking at close to four grand for a two lot. So Mm -hmm. significant money, understand why, but... If you think of the investment that you're putting in there, small percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Also, time is a factor. But again, I don't really see that as an issue because you will be doing it in the
0: background. Yeah, you can do it. A lot of people don't realize you can do it concurrently. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I stand with this. But anyway, um, so you put it in planning
1: commission. You get 90 days statutory time frame to get that conditionally approved. And once it's conditionally approved, you just have to meet the conditions. And I say that so easily, sorry. It sounded, sounded too blasé there, but uh, you have to meet the conditions. Okay. Yeah, that sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because sometimes it can be easy, sometimes it can be scary. And um, look, that's the, that's the toughest part actually, is, uh, is the dealings with Planning Commission whilst it's in there, making sure that there's no weird conditions that's just going to pop out of nowhere. That, that just throw a spanner in the works and, you know, blow up budget and stuff. And that's, that, that's what keeps me up at night. <laughs> and you can just imagine the amount of applications
0: I have. Is there an exchange and a dialogue and, you know, do Always you get involved yeah. in that process? Yes, most definitely. For the whole, you know, since... So it's not just chuck it in and, you know, see what comes out. No way. If you want to just chuck it in and see what comes out,
1: uh, good luck to you. Have fun. All the best. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's just it might anything can come up, like right? That's that's where public open space contribution things come up. That's where that's where sometimes they add a condition for you know the retention of the house and something extra there. Man, you know, there's so many things in my head, but I don't know what to bring up at the moment in regards to it. But yeah. Lots of things. Lots of things, yeah. Yeah. And it's not just the simple of simple part of, yep demolished house and then go to Lange. No, you've got to meet all these conditions and each condition that's there, you're going to have to prove how you've met them.
0: So what is that getting of the clearances? Yep. How do you kind of go about that? Well, so it depends. Uh, two things, you know,
1: with us, we have either the client does everything and come back to us once they're done, but obviously not just chuck it to them and and see how it goes, uh, guide them through it, answer field questions that uh, that arise. Number two is we sort out all the stuff that is required, and then we just do the clearances for them. Now, once the condition is met, check it. You know, make sure that uh, you've engaged someone reputable and someone who knows what they're doing for the you know the trade that's needed. Make sure you get all the documentation that's required from them. Plumber, you need a notice of completion. uh, Sorry, notice of compliance and uh, ASCON drawing from them as well. And then for an electrician, you need a notice of completion, maybe an ask drawing for dormant lines. Um, And look, these things need to be lodged as part of your clearance request. Okay. And currently with the new way of planning commission does um, clearances of water corporation, um, previous water corporation clearance uh, condition. Now they've broken it down to two where, a, there's, there's always an A and B condition and the A would be with water corporation and the B would be a planning commission. And basically what's happened is just that all these assets for drainage within your property is now to be signed off by water corporation. So you've got to make sure that you have those certificates from these trades because you're going to need them in the end. Otherwise it creates delays. Yep. Okay,
0: I've seen some investors start to do certain things before they get the conditional approval. Is that a no-no or can they start chucking up their fence and you know doing other things
1: you know it's fine I do when I do subdivisions of my own I tend to do things early but again it's a gamble right because if it's not what it is and you don't get it and if you don't get it approved and uh, if something needs to change that's extra money that comes out of your pocket that you need to sort out Now, it's what I tell my clients is look, it's not my money, it's your money, your project. So, you know, I'm doing, I'm giving you advice based on what's best for you because I'm thinking of you.
0: Yeah. When I'm doing it on my own, that's different, right? You understand a bit more where the risks are. You you value the time saving over the risk of having to change, and you know what things you can, you know, save some time on on what things you need to wait and see on probably
1: exactly so with with
0: experience comes
1: uh, all that but you want to make sure that you don't you know do anything that you shouldn't is 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 what I'm also trying to say because sometimes i see stuff that yeah you should have waited for another week before you done that just <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what sort of costs are people looking at i know that's a how long's a piece of string question especially when we relate back to the start of our episode where we were talking about some of the things that can blow out costs but you know what are the cost ranges that someone might be looking at to do a duplex where we retain the house and and create a block
1: retaining a house always has extra costs with subdivisions because you know there's going to be parking that you need to think about in the front you know you might have to construct your yeah, driveway so you might have to put existing modification, yeah that considered to modification existing house but let's just say something that's easy you know my my whole number in my head for a two block like that would be 20, 25 to 30k per lot so I would always go in my head I need to have 50 to 60k I will come in under but I like to have a bigger number in my head because it's safer and the same thing i tell my clients as well i would rather they appreciate that i tell them what i think is is potentially worst case but that's not for anything to do with soil remediation or retaining walls yeah now they're with them they're just all going to be extras that's where the the exponential
0: yeah. cost increase can come yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. now the formula only works up to maybe about three or four lots after that now because you know you got to think suddenly you got public open space contributions and they should all be considered as subdivision costs so then you know that's no longer possible to use that formula
0: and there can be yeah it starts to become a lot harder to assess the cost because there can be savings with some you know quantity of scale but also if you get a cost wrong and it's multiplied by five lots then or if a power upgrade upgrades required or, you know, anything that is needed to service the larger amount that you're putting, that you're subdividing, then, yeah, mm-hmm. the cost differentials can be much larger, can't they? Oh, most definitely, yeah. Sometimes, more, more often than not, that comes
1: by from situations where people need to change tenures and they forget that changing tenures requires a lot of other things, be it a built strata. Uh, a survey strata lot that they've tried to put multiple dwellings over it. And uh, you can't put multiple dwellings over a survey strata lot at the moment. Oh, you can't put multiple dwelling lots on a survey strata lot because it needs to be a freehold green title lot. So mm. before you can do that apartment on that block, you're going to have to terminate, create green title. And then they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds easy enough. Everything's already in place. No. Every single implied easement that you, that you initially had, you have to re everything. All needs to be independent because it's a green title. Yep. And that's where a lot of cost comes in. I did a project where we had to do a full power upgrade on the laneway just because of it. And that's, you know, client didn't know, comes to me and says, you know, I need to do this. I said, well, you can't. And this was a few years ago. And um, needed to do a full power upgrade on the whole laneway. And that was... That was, I think, in the circle of 220K. That's a lot. Well, yeah.
0: it was a long
1: upgrade. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I, I'm not sure if I ever told you, but when I was an electrical engineer, I worked in subdivisions for a while for Western Power. So I got to see the other side of things in there. <laughs> oh, and, crazy. you know, it, it was very interesting when a development tipped the capacity over because it was so disproportionate you know, in cost, you'd go yeah. from a the modest charge, which is typical, to overloads the area, and then you need to upgrade a lot of things. And yeah, you know, it was yeah. But when you were in there, there was subsidies in place as well. It yeah.
1: was uh, it was a good time for yeah. paying less in power, and oh, so playing. Does that now. anymore? Yeah, <laughs> now, now now is uh, all quoted. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no more one, three, six, two for every
0: subdivision. Uh, so, how much time do you reckon people should allow if things are straightforward? Look, um, I get this question
1: a lot, and every time I say this question, people go, "Whoa, why so long?" Um, nine to twelve months is what I say to people to leave in their mind, and um, and there's a logic behind it. Um, three months in the start for you know. Ninety days with the planning commission, and then you've got three months in the end for more paperwork. So that's already six months. Yeah. Do however long you want in the middle. That depends on you um, all the works that you need. But you've also also got to remember we had the feature survey, subdivision design meetings to discuss. So that's at least a month there already. So you've got seven, and then it's however long you take in the middle. So
0: you know, yeah. I always say nine to twelve months because I think you can. And especially if you're doing a renovation or something yeah. as well, and you know, we can obviously look to. Well, the renovation internally doesn't really bother the subdivision as long as the works that are
1: required for the subdivision can be done in that in a in a good time frame. Then, then yeah. But if you've got nine to twelve months in your mind and you get to do it sooner, well, good, that's good. And uh, but sometimes people just
0: blow out, you know. Um, yeah. At least holding costs are low at the moment. That's got to be a friend for the Perth property developer, doesn't it? Yeah. I remember when I was um, doing some of my fees back in the day. You know, you would obviously be factoring in eight, nine percent, and it really does make a huge difference on your, uh, you know, your overall costs. So yeah, be oh, huge. under three at the moment percent. <laughs> Let's enjoy it while we can. <laughs> enjoy it while we can. Like, Money is cheap at the moment. How does someone know, I guess, if a property stacks up, preferably before they purchase it? Like, Well, you know,
1: my thing with that, my philosophy with that is engage, engage professionals, talk to them, but obviously people can't just always go in, yep, every single property and just go in, hey, yeah. Jared, this, this, this. You need to get a feel for yourself. Now, a feel for yourself is to, when you're talking to professionals, ask them the general questions, like what you just asked me about time frame. And then with that time frame, you then get to figure out your holding cost. And then with the cost of the subdivisions, you already have that in there. Um, basically, do your feasibility. You know, Think yeah. of all the numbers that are needed. Ask the right questions about it. And then go whether or not you can afford it at this particular point in time. I, I, I tend to tell my clients a lot going, is this the time that are you ready for this? Do you have this all here, or are you going to try and scrape it all up at the moment and chasing something?
0: Especially when they're doing their first one as well, so yeah, they need yeah. enough headspace, and it's good to have a you know, you say fifty to seventy grand kind of maximum, but it's good to have a bit more than that, you know, rainy day buffer money. Look, um,
1: I think in the last few months, um, and this is this is actually. You know, it stressed me out a little bit as well. Some people who called up said I didn't buy in their vision for getting the grant. It's not that I didn't buy in their vision of getting the grant. I was just asking the question, are you sure you can afford it now? Because, you know, you're trying to like scour all these things, looking at all these avenues, grabbing money from here and there for a grant that you can just get 20 grand for because it couldn't meet anything else with just the WA grant. And when I say stuff like, that, like oh, yeah, well, you're not on the same page to get. No, it's my job to make sure that if you're going to go through this journey and if I'm going to take it with you, I want everyone to understand where we're standing with it. Yeah. I don't want to be going, yep, yep, no problem. Of course, you can get it. Ugh, don't worry. No, go in halfway and go, oh, sorry, that's not, yeah. that's not my part. I want to tell you in the start.
0: I guess people often do things uh, for a grant or for a tax saving. They're usually the people that aren't focusing on the bigger picture and focusing on where they're doing it and what what area and what's the timing and, you know, all the other more important factors can, I'm not suggesting that it was a bad idea to buy with grants, but I'm just suggesting take the whole picture and you help people with that whole picture, not, you know, one aspect. So
1: yes, exactly. And and you know me, I like to I like to have I take the when I, when I take a journey with with my clients, um, I want to be in a in a position that we're all on the same page. We're having fun doing it, and uh, and we celebrate the outcome in the end. I like to see it all the way to the end. You know, sit down and have a beer and go. Look, wow, that was a good one, wasn't it? When's the next one? <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yeah. It's just just how I am, right? So, just yeah, that's what I like to do.
0: <laughs> so, I guess uh, from here, how could you help investors if they do want to get involved in subdivision or development? And what are some of the services that you guys offer? Because I know you go a lot further than most with what you do. And Give look, um, you know, the
1: the base, pretty much the basic thing that what we can do to help is pick up the phone. Answer Really, really just simple questions. We, we know the questions to ask you. You know, you tell us about your property. Uh, more often than not, don't shy away from that phone call because we're going to know what to ask you. it's just going to be simple questions. And from there, the comments that we make will make you think about certain things that you need to get sorted, okay? Mm-hmm. And if we think that you need to spend some money to do some surveys and stuff, that's the time that we tell you before your offer, you know, say, hey, oh, oh, yeah, you know, Jared's used used to this and, you know, tell him that you need to, Um, if Jared's your buyer's agent or something, just say, look, you know, we need to put in a DD period here because we want to check this particular portion, you know. You're not going to tell them they're crazy because, you know, that's an important portion of If I say that I need to check a certain height level somewhere, it it means that I have some concerns. Yeah. If I didn't have any concerns, I would tell you about yeah. it, you know. Uh, more often than not I like to catch up with my clients on site and walk through and there you know you can point out all the stuff that's required as well so these are the, these are the things that that we do in the start
0: and do you have a fe- you've got a feasibility service
1: still or a- yes that's our online thing so that one there whoever wants to get a um, a feasibility online feasibility report can just go to our website and order it
0: there yeah we'll put your website details in the show notes and all your details in the show notes. Thank and, you. Uh, are you running your masterclasses still or have you stopped all that with COVID?
1: Mate, thank you for asking that. Uh, yeah, well, during COVID, it just got a little bit, I just, I could have run it and all the social distancing measures and the likes, but also with the grants coming in and all that, it just yeah. got a little bit. <laughs> You've
0: had more work to do, to do than yeah. what you know not want to do with, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, after hours happened to be a blur with work and personal life after that. But, um, look, it's starting again. Uh, There's going to be some interesting topics. Um, There's going to be interesting guest speakers and professionals. You know, I've got architects, town planners, and we're going to be talking Mm -hmm. about, and developers, and we're going to be talking about the new medium density codings as well. We're going to be talking about if you were taking a build up to – you know, townhouses, you know, what to think about during a development approval stage. And also, you know, with the new R codes coming in as well, the amendments to the R codes, talk about that. So watch. Um,
0: Do you know uh, Aaron Sice, by any chance? Yeah, I've got him coming along in a future episode to talk about some of those changes because he did a lot of work on the uh, R code changes. So, yeah. But I can definitely recommend your masterclass. It sounds like I'm going to have to, get back along and uh, learn from the subdivision master again with all those changes coming, yeah. <laughs> Joanne came
1: to one of mine and I think he had quite fun, so
0: that was good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, nice. Thanks for chatting it was today. was nice. <laughs> awesome. Chat soon, mate. See ya. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Bye.